Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. New to real estate and just started full-time cold calling. I read that. Did you want to throw up a little in your mouth? Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hey y'all, Katie here. Just wanted to give you a quick reminder before we jump into the Q&A that the doors are open right now to Agent Systems 101 and they will be closing on March 30th. If you have questions or want to jump in, head over to agentsystems101.com and I would love to share a couple of reviews. Blakely says, you should charge way more for this systems class. I've been in real estate a year and a half and I grew pretty quickly busting my behind. I have literally been so miserable the last few months with no free time. I feel like I have a completely different job just after the email class and the sections in the systems class so far. I usually spend hours getting ready for a listing. This is so simple and so professional. I went on a listing appointment Saturday. My clients have bought and sold several times and they were absolutely blown away with my systems I had in place. They have sent me two referrals for listings already within three days of the appointment. Casey says, I absolutely love this course. If you are looking to streamline your business and take your communication and organization to the next level, I would highly recommend it. The resources that you receive and the ideas to make your business more professional are a game changer. And Wendy says, Katie has a way of simplifying buyer-seller systems to assist you with automating your business so you will have more time doing what you love. She gave me a good base to keep me organized and not guessing what the next step would be loved working with her. You guys, again, doors are open now and they will close March 30th. And you can find out all the information at agentsystems101.com. Would love to see you there. Bye. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, Katie. How's it going? Wonderful. Um, You have the episode number on your paper. What's the first number up there? Oh, 86. (laughs) Great. So this is episode 86. And for today's episode, we're doing... Q&A, listener Q&A, and you guys, we have set a timer for 40 minutes, and when the timer goes off, the questions stop, and then there will be a part two, because you guys did a wonderful job of submitting so many good questions, pages of questions. We're just going to talk about as many as we can get to, and then there'll be a second part in two weeks, so there'll be something in between, and then part two, so that's the story. Sounds good. How are you doing today? Just fine. Are you ready to answer questions? Yeah, I'm excited. I like this. I love questions. It's like little snippets. Yeah. Now, um, we're going to try and coincide previous episodes as we go along. Yes. We have a lot of listeners, new listeners. Yeah. Is what I meant to say. And we um, have covered topics of the questions that you've asked. So we're going to work on recategorizing the episodes to help you navigate 
where to go find the resources right. that you need. Yes, because we have a breakdown. You can find it in our Instagram, but it's we've recorded quite a few since then. Yes, we need to, it's time to update. So we'll work on that. Okay, are you gonna start us? Sure. Okay, go. Okay, so what is your favorite podcast or business book? Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I have a favorite podcast. It is um, Gary V's Audio Experience. I have listened to Gold Digger in the past. I still do sometimes. I've listened to Amy Porterfield's Online Marketing Made Easy sometimes. Um, I have listened to a whole variety of different ones. Sometimes I like to listen to Caitlin Bristow. Yeah. That's pretty, you know, mindless, just kind of like fluff. But mm-hmm. if I'm wanting to like have a good, because someone else asked for a podcast rec that was good and motivational. Okay. I think that um, if they said, in fact, uplifting and motivational like yours. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Gary oh. is my go-to. If you cannot handle some <laughs> cursing, though, he's not your guy. <laughs> um, but underneath all of his Jersey cursing is a lot of talk about kindness yes and self-awareness and just all of the most amazing that's the one what Mm -hmm. about you um i start every day when i drop haven off i do listen to the newsworthy podcast oh yeah it's 10 minutes a day monday through saturday and it's the news oh just 10 minutes just 10 minutes it's all the day's news in less than 10 minutes fast fair fun and on the go I love it. But I um, can't be one of those people that watches the news constantly because it will affect me. So she is my snippet of like, I need to know what's going on in the world. She hits the high points without sensationalizing anything. Yes. and She doesn't have time for drama. She's only got 10 minutes. Right. Right. She's like, earthquake. Yes. Election. (laughs) Yes. The end. Right. And I like it because she's like, here's what the Republicans say. Here's what the Democrats say. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's it is no opinion. Super factual. Yes. Very factual and quick. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I can actually have a conversation with my uncle at Monday night dinner. Right. Okay. Well, because you want to be informed. Yes. I I can't be bogged down. No news. This is my only thing. Okay. And you did follow her um, in our podcast Instagram. So I do look at her post. Oh, good. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. She is very good. Um, So that, but uh, I almost felt like I needed to find a podcast, but that wouldn't be authentic. I really don't listen to podcasts or read books that are like business or self-help. Right. Podcasts and books are more of my outlet. Yeah. So once a month, my me and my book club read a book. It has nothing to do with self-help or business. It right. is just a mindless book about whatever. But it just kind of takes you out of work. Yeah. It's almost like whenever I – I can't always be on. Yes, that's So fair. I can't every night before bed be reading about business and always bettering myself. Like sometimes I need to shut it down. No, I agree. So – I don't do well with business books. That's the only kind of books that I read. Business? I Because I hate to read. So let's preface this read. with, I don't like to read. I'm a very slow reader. So, and we're talking like maybe one to two per year, I'm going to read a business book or a self-help. I just, audio books are better because yeah. I can do them in the car. Mm-hmm. So instead of a podcast, then maybe I'll be listening to a book. Like I listen to Gary Vee's. Um, crushing it twice. Okay. Because it was so good. And he reads it and he goes off script and like that sounds good. fills in the blank. And that tells you like how to market. And it's very, very good. And then he has just a slew of good books. But I also really like The One Thing. Mm-hmm. That one was good. It's more like about how to handle your time and how to like, you know, 
kind of shut out the noise. Right. That one's really good. I, the Cell, Frederick Eklund, I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. There's so many good ones. I don't have like a favorite and I don't go back to anything. Crushing is the only one I ever listened to twice. Um, so what I do sometimes, if I, especially if I'm getting in the car and I know it's like a 20, 30 minute drive, mm-hmm. I'll Google a topic. So okay. I'll say podcast on boundaries. Okay. And I'll just see what comes up first. Okay. And, and I just, just like, listen that's to the one. It. Yeah. I love it. I kind of just Google by topic. I love it. Um, depending on what I need. And I just like exploring like new things that way. Okay. But I don't have like a regular. Okay. And then there was a another person who asked a similar question about books, podcasts, but also speakers that you enjoy. Do you have any speakers you enjoy? I feel like it's been so long. Like <laughs> since you since you went since, anywhere with a speaker. Yeah. I mean, I I attend our state realtor conferences mm-hmm. and I attend classes at our board, but it's, you know, it's been over a year with all this COVID I'll stuff going on. I'll tell you mine, because sh- I love Lee Brown. I know. Yeah. I think she's amazing. Her, like when she speaks, it's funny. Yes. It's helpful. So she's helpful. so knowledgeable. And she puts out so many videos on her social media that even if you can't go to a, you know, event right now or a talk, like you can go find her mm-hmm. and listen to some interesting information and she's been on our podcast before yeah that was ep- do you know the episode i'll tell you yeah let's number number 14 was lee brown um and she, boy she's got the best southern accent like it's amazing yeah she's good she's funny and she's got some opinions y'all mm-hmm. she's got some serious opinions okay so i think that answers that one this kind of ties into that okay let's hear it do you have something that you do daily for your business Oh, for my business. Yes, daily. So for example. Let me hear, do you do yours? <laughs> I do know Ask mine. yourself, let's hear it. Okay, so I would, at first I was like, man, I don't think so. But then I was like, yeah, I mean, every day I am making sure my email is totally addressed before I shut it down. Yeah, oh yeah. Nothing carries over into the next. And when I say that, I mean, when I shut it down, sometimes that's at four o'clock, sometimes that's at seven o'clock. But when I shut it down, it's um, all addressed. It's all addressed. Right. Okay. And everything else is okay to go. Yeah. Can be addressed tomorrow. I don't leave any um, admin typically unaddressed. I do that like a daily check in with my, you know, transactions. Mm-hmm. But I think also daily, for the love of my database, I spend some time on social media daily. Yeah. Where I'm responding to messages, I'm posting in my stories. You know, like I'm going to interact with the people who I know. And i that's a daily thing for okay. sure. Yeah. There's not much that I do like every, every day. day. I know. And I think that people feel like they're supposed to have this thing that they do daily. Yeah. Like they put a lot of pressure on themselves that every day I'm going to handwrite letters. Um, and I do. Every do day I'm going to do this. What? I just thought of. What? I'm not going to dig deep into this because next week's episode is about this. But every morning I write down my goals. Oh, yeah. I forgot you do that. I've been doing it for just over a year, and I I love it. That's awesome. It's really nice. But you're right. There is – and in real estate, it, things are different every day. So it's not like today I do mm-hmm. X, Y. Like, it's not like I'm going to cold call for an hour every day. Right. Or ever. No. But anyway. Yes. It, it's kind of hard to say what you would do every day. I feel like saying daily is like saying forever. Right. You know, you it's have, such a big commitment. It is a big <laughs> commitment. Maybe I don't want to do that today. Right. All right. I like it. Um, okay. Um, 
I'm trying to see if I have anything that falls in line with, I think we're just going to topic change. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Um, okay. These next two are going to kind of go hand in hand and we're going to have trouble answering them. This is the question. <laughs> Crazy seller's market. How do I make my FHA buyers offer better when cash is tight? <laughs> Make them offer more. Right. <laughs> Pay more. It's kind uh, of intimidating. It's really hard. I think, too, I mean, some people are in markets right now that we're not at all experiencing where it's 20, 30, 40 offers on the first day, like crazy, crazy because of inventory. But I do think I've seen some reputable real companies now where you can as this type, I think, as this type of buyer, I don't know the names of any of them, so you all have to research it yourselves. You can basically get what's sort of like a bridge loan where then you're paying cash. Mm. So maybe you're going to get an FHA loan and pay off whatever. these. This company is basically lending money for you to make a cash offer mm -mm. and then you finance and pay them back. That's crazy. But that's the only way because these types of buyers are getting like are going to fall behind mm -hmm. because you can't compete with a 20% down or another or a cash offer or, mm -hmm. you know, and. FHA, they're going to be stricter on the appraisal. So it's not like you can just pay that much over. What if it doesn't appraise? Right. And I think, too, this is really just about managing client expectations and having those conversations. If they're FHA buyers, they are likely first timers or yeah. younger, um, you know, buying first home usually mm -hmm. or second. But I think that those buyers do take more handholding yeah. and that can be tough whenever the market is fast, fast. And, and I think sometimes it takes them learning from experience. Oh yeah. You're going to, it's always the third offer that sticks. Right. I mean, at you some gotta point, lose one. they're going to love the house enough to right. go in higher. And I do yeah. have that appraisal conversation with them whenever we're in a bidding war situation. Yeah. And I may say something like, you know, appraisers, people get so fixated on price. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's also, is there anything else we could do? Yeah. Could we let the seller pick the close date? Yeah. Like, especially if it's owner yeah. occupied. Does the seller need some occupancy after closing? Yeah. Maybe. What, how can we make the seller's life easier? Right. Yeah. So there are so many things you can use as leverage besides mm -hmm. price. If they're worried about appraisal, I tell them, of course, that's an op that's a possibility that it could come in low. Yeah. But also, appraisers look at days on market. Right. And they're taking into account um, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And if they see that this house is on the market zero or one days yeah. and, and the, went 10000 over asking. And I love from that. Do you, did you have written down what the appraisal episode is? I do on your sheet, I think. Okay, I, you do. I'm mm -hmm. going to find it. But in that ep 28, episode 28 is appraisals. And in that episode, um, your dad tells us, also, if you're in multiple offers, as the listing agent, when the appraiser comes to do the appraisal, you should be sharing the other offers that mm -hmm. you received, especially if they support the offer you accepted. Mm -hmm. So that helps not just the days on the market, but also look, there were 10 offers of this price. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes a difference. It really does. So I think that you can't obviously make your buyers do anything. And here's the thing too, y'all. If you want it more than they do and you make them do something mm -hmm. and later down the line, they 
don't like it or in five years when you go to sell it and they're somewhat upside down, guess whose fault it is? Oh, well, wait, that leads perfectly into the <sighs> next your question. Fault. It's, it's going to be your fault. What would you do if your buyers are up against eight other offers and you know they could get it, but would be what but would be way overpaying for way it? Way overpaying. So it's exactly what you're talking about. What are your thoughts on this? I had this conversation with a buyer last weekend where they were not first-time home buyers. Um, they're like third-time home buyers, and they were in a financially very stable position. Right. I told them I did feel uncomfortable with the comps. However, sometimes you buy things because you want it for your family. Well, right. Sometimes you buy the thing because you're going to use the thing and, live, in this case, live in the thing. Right. So I think what happens is that our buyers sometimes get – and we get fixated on the investment angle of it. Mm -hmm. Like, is this a sound investment? Will I be able to sell it in five years? Well, as long as you don't lose money on it, if you stay there long enough, hopefully the market will meet, like go up enough to actually take care of the overpay that you did. But if yeah. you're trying to live in it, and that's what you need and mm -hmm. want, and you're going to be there for 10 years, then it's a, it's not overpaying if you're buying what you want. Right. That's how I think we forget to tell our clients, well, the goal isn't just to resell this in 10 years. 10 years of your life is a long time. If you're going to yeah. live here and love that pool, and this is the perfect neighborhood, and you can walk to school, and you know, if it's going to change your life for 10 years, yeah, it's worth what would it. you pay for that, right? <laughs> right. Like there are lots of people who live in rentals that don't think <laughs> twice about the money they're, I'm doing my air quotes, throwing away sure. on rent. They live where they want to live with the amenities they want to have. Mm -hmm. And that's just a, the price they pay to, to live mm -hmm. there. Well, mm -hmm. what if it's in a sales perspective? Like you bought that because you wanted to live there. And to go hand in hand with the question we answered just prior, any time that this is happening, um, it ha at the end, it has to be the client's choice. Oh my gosh. I, and I think you mentioned this recently. You need to probably have an email where you have put in writing. These are the comps. This is my opinion of value. It doesn't mean you can't pay more than that, but I just want you to be aware mm -hmm. of what the data is telling us mm -hmm. because they're going to probably make an emotional decision and it's not for you to stop them from that. You're not their mom, but you need to give them all the information. Well, for this house that I just had this conversation on, I said, I mean, if this is going to be your forever home that you're, or your long-term home through your kids getting through school, right. I mean, I think that you're, and he said, well, it's not, it's probably going to be like our five or six, a five or six year home. Yeah, you're like, yeah, And I said, well, would you be financially prepared in five to, or six like years to maybe lose a little bit of money? Um, I said, I don't think you're going to lose a hundred grand, but you right. know, you might lose 20. Yeah. I don't know. Is that okay? Yeah. And I, I hate that now that we're talking about, it, I kind of hate that terminology. Is it okay if you lost 20 grand? Well, is it okay if you pay 20 grand to live here for right. the next five right. years? Yes. You're not going to get it back. You're going to pay the 20 grand to live here. And kind of going back to things that that episode where we talked about things that we say frequently. Oh, yes. I'll tell you which number I was. frequently tell people, my buyers, uh -huh. I say, look, anytime that we're about to purchase a home for you, uh -huh. I'm always asking myself, could I sell it for you in five years? Well, that's what I'm, that's my buyer philosophy is always, and it's number 84, y'all, things we say to clients. But my philosophy is always, 
what if you change your mind? Mm -hmm. What if you hate it here? What if some crazy neighbor moves in and you've got to get out? Like, what if something happens and you need to go in two or three years instead of five or 10? Like, Mm -hmm. are we going to be in trouble? Um, So this, it just makes it really tough in this type of market because you just need to make sure you're communicating this Mm -hmm. on the front end. And it's hard because I've had clients like fall in love with a house that I did not like at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the numbers numbers. I didn't like the house. Oh, I didn't I've had like, this happen too. And you know, it's not our job to give our personal opinion. It is our yeah. job to explain right. the facts, yes. to explain uh-huh. the numbers, to explain- Just the facts, ma'am. Yes. What this may look like in five years. Oh, there are definitely some agents out there. I have seen and heard it. Where they like just, oh, no, this house is not going to work. Yeah. Like this isn't, no, you can't buy this house. And there's nothing wrong with it financially. It's just like, oh, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. No, I won't. I won't allow it. Hello, friends. We are so excited that so many of you are using the template course and the reviews are just pouring in, letting us know that it has helped your business as much as it has helped our business. Yes. Listen to this review. Thank you so much for providing this wealth of information, knowledge, and template form. So far, I've used a handful and received positive feedback like, this is so professional, or I really appreciate how organized you are. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, Your clients are actually going to say that. Yes. All right, here's another one. Thank you so much for this. I can't tell you how many times I've started this and how many notebooks of samples and notes I had. (laughs) I have ADHD and it is super hard to stay focused on getting it done. Having it all in one place is going to make it so nice. That is what we're here for. No, just look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just use these. Yeah, nice and simple, easy, ready to go, ready for you to put your own logo on, make it sound like you. So head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash course slash course and check it out that's right and you're gonna enjoy them you're gonna love them you're gonna, it's gonna love change it. your life literally fired <laughs> my assistant they are the best <laughs> okay, enjoy the template yes enjoy um okay do you have anything else buyer related on your side because i have another one that ties to this what do you have well this one kind of goes into what we were talking about the appraisals Yes. How do you talk to your sellers and what do you do if an appraisal is low? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was the appraisal episode? 28, 28. is the appraisal episode. Yep. Um, we do. Gosh. If I'm feeling, I haven't really had it happen where it came out of the blue. Oh my God. It happens to me all the time. Really? I feel like I am cursed by the low appraisal. There are certain appraisers in our market that I want to shed tears when I see them assign. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've kind of, because it happens so often, (laughs) I've kind of developed some things that I say to my sellers. Like a super aggressive pricer. I'm talking about, oh, we're talking about sellers. I was thinking about buyers too. Oh, it happens to me on both sides. I am an That's aggressive pricer, but I, but I'm not an, I don't think that I'm an overpricer. I no. just, either way. And I've had them come in low on ones that I know they were priced right. I was super familiar with the neighborhood. It was like, you know, very popular listing that I was very annoyed with. Mm-hmm. I'm also annoyed if it comes in low, like a thousand dollars, like you can't figure that out. See, I've never, I don't know if I've ever had that happen. I've had them come in at six low a lot. I was going to say, I've usually had bigger chunks, like more than 5,000. I've had them come in 100,000 low. How do you feel about that? I think the worst I've had is 40. I've had them come 50, 100. Mm -mm. It's silly, silly. So what do you do? Um, Well, 
if it's on my seller, then I say, look, I've reviewed because then I have to sit and review their appraisal, mm-hmm. make sure there aren't errors, right? Like right. incorrect information That's about the their home, thing. incorrect information about the comps. Then I have to look and see if I can find any other comps. Then I have to call the seller and say, look, I have, we have received a low. And y'all, this probably needs to be a phone call. Yes. they. This is very difficult news to deliver. Yes. I am so... Now, I will say this. When we aggressively price in the beginning, because I know I'm an aggressive pricer, I tell them, you may get 10 buyers that want to pay you Four fifty, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, you probably should be at four thirty-five. Mm-hmm. You might get everyone wants to pay you four fifty, but I am telling you now, I cannot control your appraisal, and I'm looking at the data right here, and mm-hmm. it may still come back at four thirty-five. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes back at four thirty-five, at least I have prepped them. Sure, it's not, it shouldn't be coming from out of the blue, but. I then I tell my seller I've reviewed your appraisal, I've reviewed the comps. I do not see any comps that have been missed. If you know of a for sale by owner or something that I don't know, I, this is your moment to tell me. Mm-hmm. And then I send them the report and I tell them to also review it for accuracy. And um, then if they can't find anything wrong, like we're gonna have to just deal with this. Mm-hmm. And you can of course dispute the appraisal. Yeah. Pay for another one. Right. Um, I mean, right. The seller is not required to come down on the price. No. And I tell them that. I'm like, look, you don't have to move forward. If there was closing costs or some kind of concessions negotiated, maybe we can take that out and lessen the blow. Maybe we can split the difference with the buyer. Maybe you just say no and the buyer has to pay the difference or walk. Mm -hmm. But I also am mindful to say, look, the data doesn't change tomorrow if we put it back on the market and you get a new buyer. Mm-hmm. You may get the same appraisal again. Right. So I do when I, I do have that conversation with my sellers. Like if one appraiser came in here and if we cancel and you switch buyers, not only do we have to go through another appraisal, but we have to go through another inspection. Yeah. To get to the appraisal. Yeah. There's a lot of obstacles. Like there's yes. really no reason not to figure out. I do everything I can to try to make it work with the low appraisal that we have. I agree. I agree. Unless I really think that I've gotten a bad appraisal. Right. And they won't make any changes. Now, I've gotten an appraiser to make a couple thousand dollars worth of changes, even if it wasn't all the way to sales price, by saying, look, the the seller just did XYZ repairs. Mm -hmm. They cost this much. Or they just did these. But... These are also things you can tell the appraiser on the front end to avoid. I was gonna this. say. I was gonna like, say. I do have my sellers leave a checklist of things, and I think that's in one of our templates. Um. Oh yes. A list it of is. upgrades uh-huh. and everything, so it that is. the appra- the easier that you can make the appraiser's life ahead yeah. of time. Yeah. Don't wait to be reactive to a low appraisal. Right. Really try to be proactive and give them mm-hmm. everything they need. And I think um, in the appraisal episode, he even said he appreciates the agents that just say, hey, thank you for doing the appraisal. Yep. Here is all the information yep. versus the agent that follows them around while they're measuring. And it, it's almost like if you seem nervous, it red flags them right. to say, right. is yeah. something going on? I mean, we're definitely giving our sellers tips and telling yes. them to do things before the appraisal. It mm-hmm. is not okay. I have seen many appraisal photos. It is not okay to have your home with dishes in the sink, Mm-mm. all the beds unmade, looking like a disaster when the appraiser comes. It should look like a showing. Right. It should look like a dang showing. Agreed. Okay. Anything else on your end that is appraisal or buyer related? I don't think so. Okay. 
Um, all right, what do you want to do next? Do you do either of us have a coach? No. Nope. Why? Oh God. <laughs> um, I am a self-teacher, I think. Yeah. And I love I so I love learning. Yeah. I love learning. I love a class. I love a webinar. I love a, you know. I did my CRS designation, which requires a lot of like edu- interesting education. I love all that, but I don't um, feel like there's ever been a time when I thought, oh, I need a coach to hold me accountable. Maybe I'm pretty good sure. at just holding. Look, either I did the work and I did the right thing and I made the money so that I could continue to live my life or I failed and that was not an option for me. <laughs> yes. So I just... I have never been drawn and I'm pretty like a motive, a motivational type person. Well, you're in a lot of like masterminds and accountability groups. Yeah, I just, but that's right. You're right. I do seek out coaching, not a coach maybe. Yeah. My thing is I'm not going to pay someone who couldn't make money selling real estate (laughs) to teach me how to sell real estate. Yes. Well, right. I do think that um, if if coaching is right for you, there are people and programs and things that do that and probably do it really well, like Buffini and Company or something super mm-hmm. like who is based on Brian, who was a real estate agent for a successful one for many years that had a system mm-hmm. and a processes and worked his database. And, and so he has that's probably good coaching. Yes. Um, you can seek out education mm-hmm. on your own if you're struggling with office organization, or you're struggling with lead follow-up, or you're struggling with, you can sort of seek out the right education that you need. Yeah. I don't know that, and and again, I think picking a coach is a slippery slope because you need to know their credentials, not as a coach, but as a person who create. how did they know what to tell you? Right. What, what successes did, did they from? have? Yes. What, yeah, exactly. What is your coach? What did they do? Do you even jive with them? Like, I is think that gonna when work you are, especially when you are new, you feel like you need to be doing all these things. Right. And I think episode 17, uh, what to do when you're new or slow is helpful. Episode 26, what we wish we had known before. My big thing to tell you is if you are new and feeling like you need a coach, there are so, when you're new, especially, you do not need to be spending money. no. I know coaches are very expensive. Yeah. And not only checking credentials, but really utilizing all of your free resources yeah. before you start paying for right, something. Right, because there's so many free so resources. So many free resources. Podcast. Hi. This <laughs> Hi, is we're Alyssa and Katie. This is episode <laughs> number 86. So once you have listened to about 80 hours of Hustle Humbly, yeah. search out for that coach if you still need one. I, I agree. I think, I think just, just be careful where you're spending your money. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so no, neither of us have had a coach. So kind of piggybacking on that, um, this is from a new agent. She said, sometimes I have a tough time feeling like a fraud. Ooh. How do I get past that in the industry? Um, mindset, mindset, mindset. Oh, my gosh. It's yes, all yes, about yes. your mindset. You're not a fraud. Look, selling real estate is not that complicated, y'all. It, you, you've done the class. You've got your license. You've done your post-licensing. You can go and keep on learning if you feel like you don't know how to fill out a purchase agreement. Or, I mean, go check your board. What kind of classes are they offering? And mm-hmm. then listen to 
to episode three, the mindset meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? We have so much. I'm going to let my uh, Enneagram three speak to this for Please a minute. <laughs> Before I had actual sales numbers uh-huh. to support me and to win interviews and things like that. I just was like, what can I do to build a resume? Yes. So maybe joining something at the board. So when you go to the listing appointment, you can say, oh, I actually serve on a committee at our board of Mm -hmm. at our board of realtors for Louisiana or whatever. Um, There are things besides just sales numbers. Also, in the beginning, when I was newer, when I didn't have the numbers, I used the numbers of the company. Oh, yeah. So I would ask my broker to print out that zip code showing where our company Mm -hmm. ranked or Mm -hmm. whatever you need, any kind of data that your company has until you have your own numbers to use. Yes. And they don't say, oh, well, is that you? Yeah. No, they're not. They, they don't, they don't ask they that at all. They honestly don't care. They don't it's care. just this the resume is almost more for you yes. to get over that imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. That way if they ask something, you have it. And I I've been teaching resume in my class. There's so many things you can put on it. So many. Client testimonials, the courses you've taken, you know, what skills you have from a previous job that translate into real estate. Like there's so much stuff you can put on there. Your bio like of what why did you get into real estate? What What is your client experience like? Like there is so much stuff you could put on a resume. And then all of a sudden you have a single sheet of paper with your picture and your contact info that looks super professional that most agents don't even have. And now I think you should be feeling a little bit better about that imposter syndrome. Um. So episode 37, we talk about high on designations. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, if you feel are feeling like a fraud, it's, I always felt the most like a fraud when talking talking with sellers. For yes, for sure. You know, when I was new. Yeah. Cool. Buyers Taking, don't really give you a hard um, time. sellers designation mm-hmm. courses and not only were they good to have on the resume, but I genuinely learned so much yes. and it came with such valuable yes. information that mm-hmm. I was able to speak confidently mm-hmm. at the listing appointment. Oh my gosh, for sure. And then one more story on this. Oh, I feel like it. I felt like a fraud for <laughs> so long. <laughs> right. I can remember when I was new and I held an open house. It was my first open house. And um, I was just so nervous. And the First person walked in and asked a question, and I did not know the first answer oh, to I the first the question. And I was like, dang it, I don't know, you know? And so I just sort of fumbled my words and, and anyway, totally failed, okay? So then I asked the agent, I wanna hold that house open You're like, because I know the stuff I'm, about this I house. know this stuff. So I, I reviewed the property disclosure. I was just really prepared. The first time I was prepared with presentation. Right, right. But not necessarily information. information. Got it. So then the second time I was like, okay, I'm going to really know the answers to their questions. Okay. And so I reviewed everything and they come in and they said, they asked something about the, the area. So how close something was. And I just went, I don't know. Gosh, dang it. And so I held that house open four or five times, the same house. Until you knew it backwards and forwards. Until I knew it backwards and forwards. I could answer any question. And then it just helped me whenever I did another open house elsewhere. I knew the kinds of things that people People were going to ask. Were going to ask. Well, experience will help. Yes. They just will. But you can get experience even if you don't have clients. I think. Yeah. That, okay. So what to do when you're new or slow. Which one is that? 26. Uh, no. No. 17. 17. Go listen to 17. Yep. If you're having imposter syndrome. 
there's a whole bunch of stuff in there you can do whether you have a client or not. Yeah. And it will help. I mm-hmm. promise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it. Hmm. The time's ticking. What you got? Okay. Uh, I'm trying to see which, which uh, like, okay. When you feel behind on everything, <laughs> how do you focus and tackle your to-do list? How do you pinpoint what you are wasting time and energy on? I always start with the email. Okay. I start there. Yeah. Because I feel like that's the most urgent. Mm-hmm. My email is my to-do list. Mm-hmm. That is where I start. Okay. And then I shouldn't get to this point too often because I'm having a weekly office Your day. Your office day. And that's episode number 78. Uh, so if you are keeping your office day, it will drastically change the amount of overwhelm you feel because mm-hmm. you're going to get all that admin stuff done. You're going to get any projects that you're working on you're moved along. You're just going to feel like you have time to catch up with your database or do the things that you need to do. Mm-hmm. So I agree um, when you're feeling behind on when I literally it's getting like stacked up on my desk and things are out of hand. Probably one of my favorite things to do is go into my dot loop or my Trello, look at all of the transactions. So listings and pendings, Mm -hmm. who needs attention? Where are we at in the process? And I just sort through it. And I'm like, even if it's 10 of them, all right, start at number this, this activity y'all does not take more than 30 minutes. No, I sit there and I say, okay, transaction one, we're at a uh, inspections has been scheduled. Do we send the repair request or am, is the ball in my court in any way? If mm-hmm. the ball is not currently in my court, move on to transaction number two. Where are we at in the process? Oh, just waiting on the lender to do clear to close. And then we're then that one's fine too. Like as long as you look at all of them and say, I know where I'm at mm-hmm. and what I need to be doing right now. And it's all done. Right. Then you're good. And if you're overwhelmed, you probably are going to run through that list and find some things that you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's why you're feeling that feeling like, oh, I've got so much to do. Well, just do it. Mm-hmm. Start there and then worry about new business. This is the problem. When we're overwhelmed, we start thinking about oh, what am I going to do to keep this business? Run? Well, you better make the business you have now yeah. work. If not, you are not taking care of the business that you have now, you cannot rightfully ask for more business. Yeah, for sure. Um, episode 21 is my email class where I talk about how I keep everything like organized and um, as a to-do list. What's our systems episode? I was just looking it up. <laughs> I think it's I 50, wrote it it's 58 okay. systems. So yes, that yes, one yes. is important. Yeah, you did write that one on another spot too. Yeah, so on that, on the systems, uh, someone wrote, I have many different office spaces. Yeah. How do I keep track of it all and keep it organized? Oh. I don't think you should have several different office office spaces. (laughs) Hold up, hold up for one second. This is coming from a woman whose entire office space is her laptop. I was going to say, your everything you need at any given moment right. should be accessible from your laptop. Now, I will speak to the people who maybe <laughs> aren't ready to be without every sheet of paper in their life and tell you, yes, I think you need to pick an office space. Yes, and a primary. I think you guys probably know my take on this. I love working at my home office. It is a designated office space, so I'm not like in a bedroom or a dining room. I have an office. And I have my papers and the things I need and my computer and my mind is good here. If I go into a building with other agents who are working as my office, I am drastically less productive. For sure. I am going to want to talk to the people. I am going to 
feel obligated to answer their questions. Mm -hmm. I am not going to get things done. There was never a time where I was storing any of my office supplies at my office, by the building that was Remax. Like there was never. Okay. Uh, it's my home office. So I think that the easiest way to combat that problem is having a choose. If it's if you can't work from home, then let it be your your brick and mortar office. That's fine. Go there. But don't have more than one. But I think if you're having trouble keeping track of it all, it also shows that you are lacking systems. Yeah. Right. Because you do need to have your transactions easily accessible. Yes, there are times where I'm like, I really need to go to my office, my my office at the at the office. office. <laughs> I know this is, it's really not hard my, to talk not, about it. But mostly I'm in my home office. Your broker's but, office. Yeah, my broker's office. It's very rare, but sometimes I need to go grab something. But for the most part, everything that I need is accessible, can be accessed from You're my laptop. Your, look, and that the more you can move to that digital world, even if it's uncomfortable for you, the less you're going to feel like you're missing something whenever you're trying to do Take anything. baby steps. Yeah. You know, like start your Trello. Yep. To what, Because your Trello is on your phone. It's yep. on your laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what how much more you need outside of like your email. Right, email <laughs> and like a digital, like uh, we, I have dot loop or you have some sort of tri- like. I just use the free one that MLS has, the free yeah, e-signature. So you guys, you really don't need a lot of I think stuff. it's okay. That don't get out of your comfort zone a little bit to just reevaluate what's mm-hmm. working. But yeah. too many spaces is like clutter in the brain and Agree. it's it's not going to work long term. Okay. Um, do you have anything else about do you have anything else on like overwhelm? I don't want to. We we're, the timer is coming close <sighs> to an end. I know. Um, I don't want to jump into something that. Okay, one more question, uh, and, and then I have one that's fast. Okay, you go. Okay, this one's kind of made me giggle. <laughs> have you had a situation where a seller refused <laughs> to sell after the point where they can't? Did it go to court? I had it happen one time. And did it go to court? It did not go to court. Okay. The seller just changed their mind? Yes. Why? Just, Can you tell us? Um, I think we actually had a survey issue that led to the seller having to take a price reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, I It was many years ago, but I do He's remember- You blocked it out of your mind? I do remember that the only reason, my, my broker, I had to go sit with her and talk it out. And she said, the only way that you your seller could back out is if all parties agree. Okay. So if the buyer says, we agree to sign a cancellation yeah. versus we're pursuing default by the seller. Yeah. And so we just called the buyers and literally had a kumbaya, help us out. Can we all be good people and just And so they figure- stayed? And the buyer said, we will find another house, I guess. Did they give them any compensation? I don't think so. Wow. The buyers agreed to sign. A, I think we reimbursed them for their inspection. I and hope appraisal. so. Okay. We reimbursed them for any expenses that they spent on the transaction. Right. But nothing outside. The of that. buyers could have technically hired an attorney, yeah. sued for the default yeah. penalty, yes. done all of that. But we just did everything. And that's why I do think, I mean, anything could have happened, but... I do think that's why it's so important to keep the relationships from the beginning good. Good. Yeah. 
Because if you ever have to have mm-hmm. a difficult conversation with right. someone, right, 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 they may be more willing to help you yeah. out of the goodness of their heart. Agree. Even if it's not. Yes. But they would have had the right to I, sue yeah. my seller. And thank you know, God I have never had that happen. Yeah. But I'm also like, y'all, they, I've had people say something like that. I'm like, that's not how this works. Right. You don't get to do that. You go. You, you sell house now. Mm-hmm. You're done. Um, Okay, I have one last one before this timer goes off, and it's perfect timing. Okay. Um, This question was, when does Agent Systems 101 start again? Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you. Great. Because the doors are open right now. Oh. (laughs) As this is airing? As this airs, the doors opened on March 24th. This airs on March 29th. So you guys can jump in um, right now. Great. Right now, right now. Jump in. Go listen to the systems episode, which is 20, I mean, 58, and then you can learn all about my systems. All right. That's all I can say. Okay, great. We need to do a toast. The timer. Ah! Oh, my God. Okay, toast, toast. We did it. All right. I'm going to get you a toast. Okay. That's a lot of screaming and pressure. Ah! Okay. You need a toast, ma'am. I'm going to get it for you. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to get my phone real quick because this is Perla toasting she's in nebraska and i want to find perla's last name so y'all just bear with me for one second she is going to toast to her broker renee mueller okay like bueller but with an m okay mueller (laughs) and our kw elite team knowledgeable and fearless Oh, knowledgeable and fearless. I think that's a what a great combo. That is. Let's see if I can find Perla. I mean, I guess I, I like don't. that it includes something practical and dreamy. Right. I think that's amazing. Not just dreamy right. and not just practical. Okay, let's see. Perla I like that. is in Nebraska. Do I know her? I don't know her last name. Okay. okay. Well, so thank you, Perla, for thank the you. toast. Perla and, from Nebraska. Um, cheers to Renee Mueller. And the elite Keller Williams team in Nebraska. Yep, in Nebraska. Okay. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Bye, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.